Hello and welcome to a new episode of Lowdown. Today, my guest needs no introduction. Stephen Constantine is a household name in coaching circles, having coached five different countries and four different continents. Today, in fact, he joins me from sunny Cyprus. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Connor. It's a pleasure to be here. Stephen, as we begin with every guest, I think you know what I'm going to ask you now. What was your earliest <laughs> football memory? Um, I was seven or eight years old. My dad took me to uh, White Hart Lane. Um, it was Tottenham Arsenal 1971. Ray Kennedy scored uh, with a bullet header in the 78th minute. And uh, I've been an Arsenal fan ever since. I was going, I was going to say, just suggesting by the, by the Terry Henry shirt in the background. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I was never a Tottenham fan. <laughs> and um, where did this urge come from yourself at a young age to go and travel and leave on your coaching odyssey when it really wasn't a done thing? Look, um, not 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 to plug the book or anything, but um, my childhood was complicated. Um, the only thing I ever remember wanting to do was play football and um, played in the back garden, smashed quite a few windows. Um, but I, I, um, I didn't plan it, is, is what I'm trying to say. I left home when I was 16. Um, and I think the only thing that kept me on the straight and narrow was this blind obsession to play football or be a football player, be professional. Um, and then, you know, um, I remember one time um, I had just signed with the Pennsylvania Stoners in the American Soccer League. Um, <laughs> way back when I had Jeff Tipping, um, Solomon Kingston, uh, and um, um, a, a lad called Michael, who was... Um, um, US guy. And I, as the youngest player on, on that team, was forced to go and coach the kids in these camps. Um, so it would be a Pennsylvania Stoners camp. Uh, and they would send one of the players to go and, you know, uh, juggle a football or something. Um, and I hated it. Uh, to begin with, all these uh, little kids running around screaming and, you know, it was, it was chaos. But after a couple of weeks of being forced against my will to go to these camps, I realized that, well, hang on, I can make that little kid, that five years old, pass the ball. Now I can teach him how to get away from the other guy. Um, that, that I, I think, stayed with me um, to when I went on to play and what have you. And, um, I, and I... And I I, I think I did my first badge when I was 25 or 26 in the US. Um, I was always going to be a coach um, afterwards. Um, so, yeah, but it absolutely not planned. There's something to be at there because, you know, when we speak to people on this podcast, typically it's not really a journey that they're on with a specified destination in mind, but it's more or less a call to adventure. And as you said there in your own words, Stephen, just a blind obsession for the game of football yeah yeah um and i still have that i i still all i talk about all i think about 
uh, is where am I going to go next? Um, how are we going to play? Um, what league I'm in? What country I'm in? Um, and as long as um, uh, clubs and teams want me, then it's great. And I suppose, you know, there's real few alternatives as to why a boy from the north end of London ends up in Nepal and his real first coaching adventure <laughs> with some encounters with the Crown Prince to be. Oh, my God. Yeah, look, uh, honestly, uh, again, um, we, we wrote a book about four years ago from Delhi to the Den. Uh, and honestly, I'm not plugging it because... <laughs> Because the actual uh, money that I get from it is <laughs> it's negligible, but um, I, I I sometimes find I'll go back and I'll read the book and I think, oh my god, did you really go to Nepal, um, not knowing exactly where Nepal was when I was offered the job? Um, <clears throat> I remember standing in a field with uh, thirty-five players in front of me. Um, I think two of them were my height. Um, they were in all sorts of kit, um, nothing to do with, <laughs> with uh, the national team, by the way. Um, they were up to their ankles in mud. It was absolutely chucking it down. Uh, monsoon season. Uh, we had um, dragonflies uh, the size of your, your, your hand flying around. And I'm thinking, what? where am I? There was no lines on the pitch. There was no nets. There were two goalposts either end of this massive field um, uh, and, and you think well this is what they have get on with it and so I did and um, I'm very fortunate to have had um, five countries but six six national teams uh, uh, so far and you know quite a few other clubs and um, I, I, I've got plenty left in the tank yet so I'm not done yeah, and I'm yet to come across scenarios like that in a coaching badge. <laughs> but, um, I mean, after you had various stints in Africa, of course, Stephen. But were the processes of adapting similar or were they quite drastically different to Nepal? Uh, look, um, by the time I was 16, I had gone to eight different schools. Okay, um, half of them were in Cyprus and the other half were in England. We had moved several times uh, as a family. And um, I, I, I don't know, this definitely wasn't a conscious thing, but uh, I, I learned to adapt to the surroundings. Um, my wife calls me a chameleon because she said if you were, well, uh, I went to Jamaica. I did a course in Jamaica. Um, I've done courses in Belize. And, and you just have to accept where you're going. That's how it is. You're, you are not going to change uh, um, anybody's culture, but you can change the bad habits. You can change how they see the game. Um, and I'm always talking football. Um, well, I, I've just learned to adapt. So was it difficult? Of course it's difficult. You go to uh, Sudan. And, and, and you're like, okay, I need a day um, to, 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 to see, you know, uh, when I, before I went to Sudan, obviously it was a really bad time for them. They had the, uh, um, the civil war was about to break out. We had the problems in Darfur, um, in South Sudan. And I went to South Sudan as well. And, I, you know, I, I, I think if, if more people 
um, had the opportunity to go to some of these places that I have been, um, they would be kissing the tarmac when they come back to any airport uh, in the West uh, and understand how lucky they are. Um, but you don't, um, you don't get to see that. I mean, I, I went to North Korea. I, I had a great time in North Korea. I was not harassed. I was not, okay, I was followed. <laughs> but, but that's, uh, that's part of the course. They were, the people were very, very uh, kind towards me. Um, they took me around the town. They allowed me to take pictures. And so it's, um, you know, you can't um, um, deal with the political or the religious side of what's going on in the countries. I don't, I'm all about football. I don't care about any of the other stuff. So if you bring me, if you bring me, you know that you're going to get somebody who's going to focus on football and I'm not going to turn around and start screaming about human rights and, and what happens here and what, that's not my job. Um, and, and I know that sounds a little um, uh, dismissive of people who are in those roles. That's their job. It's not my job. I'm there to try and help people play football or, or, or coach football. So, and I'm very conscious of that. So I don't get involved in the, in the other um, um, stuff that, that goes on. Yes, and it's quite pertinent given that what we were discussing off camera not so long ago, Stephen, about, you know, we see a lot of coaches getting into the game nowadays and, we're, you know, myself included, really. I find myself at times drowning in the noise, you know, in the age of information when in reality there should be a lot more emphasis, right, placed on these early life experiences go out, going out there and, you know, developing those soft skills. Well, look, the, you're talking, um, look, I've done all my badges in, in the US, um, apart from the pro licensing. Um, and I've done all my badges in England. Um, and I've learned something on every single course that I've done. And I've learned something on every single course I've delivered. And I've delivered hundreds of courses over 23 years for FIFA. Um, you don't know, no one knows everything. And there's always uh, something that you could do better. There's always something that you're going to learn from one of the candidates and think, hmm, I didn't think of that. Well, that's quite good. But, but um, you, 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 you get a foundation on your course. It gives you the fact you need a foundation to build your house. Otherwise it's going to fall down. So uh, the course is in, 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 in England and Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and, and, and several, several other European countries are very, very good at giving you the foundations. It's then down to you and your experience, how you put the rest of the house together. Are you gonna have uh, a central heating or are you gonna have a, a, a lock fire? Are you gonna have uh, open plan or is it gonna be uh, more compart compartmentalized? This all depends on, on how you see the game. Me, the game is simple. I have the ball I need to score. I don't have the ball, don't let them score. And there's lots of variables that go into how to make that better, how to... But that's coaching, and it comes down to your personality. Uh, I remember once I went, um, I went to see uh, a game here. It was Inter Milan against Apollon. Um, in, in a Euro European game uh, quite a few years ago. And I went and I saw the, um, the Inter Milan warm-up. 
I still have the Intimilah Muma in my cupboard. I, I, I wrote every single day. I still have it. Okay. Uh, this is 80 something. Um, and the following, uh, that was on a Wednesday night. And the Saturday, I had a game um, uh, with my under 23 team. Uh, and I, I made them do exactly the same warm up in Milan did. And by the way, the warm up was exactly 30 minutes. Okay. We did the same thing with the under 23s. Uh, we were 2 0 down after 20 minutes. We lost 4 0. Uh, and one of my players came up to me afterwards and said, uh, uh, Coach, did you see the Inter Milan game? I said, yeah. He said, you saw the warm-up as well, didn't you? And I went, yeah, how did you know? He said, oh, I saw it as well. I just did it. That's the warm-up you gave us. I said, yeah. He said, Coach, we were exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. That was my lesson. You can go and watch Mourinho or Angelotti or Wenger or whoever, Klopp, and you can take endless amounts of information from what you've seen. But do not try it with your under-23 team because they do not have the same qualities, the same physicalities, the same abilities that the Inter Milan, who went and won that tournament that year, um, have. So what's good for Klopp is not good for you necessarily you can take some stuff from there you can it does that make sense of course it makes sense it, oh. it does. <laughs> no i mean to be honest it, it's more than a pertinent topic because it's not for me to be speaking about i don't have you know even a third of the experience that you have probably much more or less even in the game of football itself at the elite level but nonetheless you know you see a lot of people that can be guilty of copy and paste at times and for me, context is key. And that context is who you're coaching. You know, are you a flit, are you a bottle to be filled or a flame to be lit? That old adage. <laughs> Look, um, you don't have to have played the game at top level to be a coach. Because if you did, then some of these guys that are in the Premier League that are coaching, um, they are failing miserably um, because they haven't gone and got their experience lower down. Uh, it, look, uh, I always say this, um, how long does it take to become a teacher? You get your four or five years theoretical experience, but then at the end of the day, there's no substitute for practical okay. How long does it take you to become a professor of law or a professor of whatever? 15, 20 years? Well, let's say 15 for argument's sake. Okay. Why do you think that you playing for 10 years makes you a coach because you've played at the Premier League? Why does that make you a coach? It gives, you, uh, it gives you an advantage because you've had the experiences of those games. But teaching is completely different. I asked Michel Platini once, why are you not a coach? And he said to me, this was brilliant. 
He said, Stephen, he said, I did things in the game that I didn't know I could do. I just did it. How can I teach that? So we are, we are as coaches, we are teaching people how to play football. Now, it doesn't matter if the guy is 28 and played in the Premier League for 10 years. There's always something that you can help him with as a player to improve, assuming that he wants to. So um, just because you played for 15 years uh, and you've got 200 league appearances, that doesn't make you a coach. There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of players who are not coaches because it's not their cup of tea. They don't have that ability to transfer the knowledge that they have in their head to a young player. And that's it. You know, we see a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, players skip the, 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 the C license. And it's like, well, you know, uh, we're not, we're not going to teach us how to pass the ball on the, on the C license. They're not teaching you how to pass the ball. You already know that. They are teaching you the methodology, how young players learn, when to recognize uh, uh, certain mistakes, when to see the body language of some players who didn't quite get it as quick as some of the other players. That's what they're teaching you. It's not to pass it. And I, I mean, I would see all the time. You'd go on the, on the B license. Uh, how was the C license? Uh, I didn't do the C license. Mate. Why not? That's, the, that's more important than you going on a pro license because at pro license, they're telling you, well, you're going to play against uh, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in, in the uh, European Cup final. Uh, you've got five days to prepare. You've got this and that and, and all the different scenarios that they give you. You know that. But can you teach a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old how to turn with the ball? Can you do the Cruyff turn the right way? Okay, these are the things that, that you miss when you don't do your C license uh, um, and, and you get fast-tracked. It's ridiculous. They're missing the best part or the most important part. Thank you for to give this podcast a team thus far, Stephen. It's very much navigating change. And that's something current cohort of coaches will have to do and they will have to overcome something which you've done countless times in your own career and a career highlight for yourself to touch upon would have been the 18 months you would have spent in India most recently as national team coach some notable achievements qualifying for the Asian Cup handing debuts to 40 plus players India such a fascinating place could you please take us inside the football landscape there <laughs> How long we got? <laughs> Look, um, all I would say to you is that one of the biggest games in the world is in Calcutta. It's between East Bengal and Mombagan. And if they are playing for nothing, there's nothing to do, nothing, no importance to the game. It's a friendly game. There will be 100,000 people in that stadium. Okay. Um, they love their football in India. It just doesn't get the publicity that the um, the Asian or the Indian uh, um, um, goal is to agree. Is there is 1.3 billion people in India? And you know how hard it is to get a job in India. The competition is is fierce. So you need to get that degree uh, because if you get a degree, that gets you a job. 
usually. Um, and if you get a job, you're going to eat. Um, so, so it's that simple. But but um, cricket has the um, had quite a lot of the publicity because um, it. I think it's a bit of an elitist game, to be honest. But there's kids play cricket everywhere. The, the, the thing is that football has um, caught cricket up. I mean, uh, I, I I would say that India is a uh, football loving country. Do they have they got it right? Not quite at the moment. They they still have uh, um, things that they can do. And we have uh, the Indian Super League, which is an eleven team league, and then you have I think it's twelve teams in the I League, which is considered the second division, um, um, mainly because the Indian Super League um, has, on the whole, the better uh, quality player um, in the league. Um, there's more money, there's more exposure and, and what have you. But um, yeah, look, um, t- taking India to the Asian Cup in 2019 um, on a four-year plan um, was, was special. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, that, 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 that's the short version I, um, <laughs> um, that I can give you. But they do love their football there. Um, it is growing. Um, and um, Hopefully it continues to grow. For me, though, to kind of expand upon that, Stephen, I know you were quite a prominent voice in lobbying for change at a more, I suppose, not government level, but ministerial level, so to speak, about how the sport was perceived over there as to how you guys could improve structures. For me, was that time in India, those 18 months, were they emotionally draining to being... Sorry? It was, it was four years. It wasn't... I, it was four years, not 18 months. Oh, four years. Apologies. Oh. 2015, 2015, when I arrived, we were 176. Um, and that was the second time I also did uh, from 2002 to 2005 in India. So seven years in total. What I wanted to get at was you're a national team manager. Your job is largely focused on performance. And results. How emotionally draining is it really to kind of balance both on and off the pitch in terms of lobbying for development, lobbying for change, but obviously being tasked with performances in the name? I don't, um, I honestly don't um, separate them. Um, when I say that, um, we're talking India or we could say in Rwanda because I did the same thing. Uh, or if I go to a club tomorrow in in England, and if if something is if if there is something that can be done to improve the situation, maybe it's uh, the training ground, maybe it's the analysis department, or or I'm I'm going to try and improve it. Um, I I feel that you have brought me in to make a difference, um, and I will. But you've got to let me do that. Um, in India, when I went <clears throat> in 2015. Uh, the president said to me, oh, coach, uh, we're thinking about 2026 World Cup. And I said, uh, why don't you think about 2019 Asian Cup? Um, we have to regularly appear in the Asian Cup. And I think if we can do that two or three times consistently, then you can start thinking about the World Cup. We're not going to the World Cup. Four teams 
uh, from Asia go to the World Cup. And they're going to be Australia, Iran, uh, Japan, South Korea, Saudi maybe, um, and then maybe uh, throw in, um, you know, Iraq maybe, um, although they haven't done so uh, recently, but there are teams that they are going to be there. And why? Because they're always qualifying for the Asian Cup. So our goal has to be Asian Cup. Um, and um, how are we going to do that? Okay, well, we need to do something. We need GPSs. Uh, okay, uh, how much are they? About 2,000 quid, if the, if the quality ones. Yeah, but can we get a cheaper one? Yeah, we can get a cheaper one. Uh, we'll try and get a cheaper one. We'll try and get some deals. And Okay, um, but, but you see the willingness to do it. Um, that you don't always get that when you go to clubs. Uh, um, some people are set. Some people um, don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. Um, but but if I see it's going to help and it's going to help me, it's going to help the team. We we are more efficient. We are more productive. Then uh, let's do it. Um, and uh, I had a free hand, um, and they let me bring um, uh, the staff that that we needed. The players were unbelievable in in. in in receiving the information, of course, um, you're going to have some, normally you're going to have some uh, um, uh, bad moments um, until it gets better, but you've got to like trust the process. I've done this a few times before, quite a few different countries at club level uh, and national team level. Um, again, I, I, I don't claim to be the, the, the superstar coach, but it works. My, my methodology works. I'm very much into the holistic approach because everything matters for me, uh, how they eat, how they sleep, how they train. Um, you know, we had uh, in, in India, we had uh, some unbelievable um, uh, people working, that, that the physio, the, the masseurs, they were brilliant. We didn't have a muscle injury in four years. I mean, this is... This, Partly because we had uh, um, Danny Deegan leading the sports science department and uh, a guy called Gigi, who was our physio, who kept uh, the, the best players on the field at the right time. And, you know, it's when you've got that kind of uh, support. And as I said, the, the, uh, the willingness of the, the Indian player to learn, uh, they're like sponges. Um, and I'm not, in, in England, it's, it's a bit different. Uh, I would say, in the Western countries, and I go to the States and uh, all the, we've coached the life out of them by the time they're 21. They have had maybe eight or nine different coaches. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Don't. And in the end, they become uh, robots. Um, and I think um, that's what we're missing at the younger age groups is, is, is let them play. Let them play, let them make the mistakes. They make the mistake, there you've got a coaching opportunity. If you keep telling them not to do it, and I mean, you go, you go and watch uh, uh, academy games in England. Don't do this. Oh, pull it right. Oh, pull it left. Oh, but it's, it's, you, you, it's like watching a puppet show. And the two coaches are, are, are competing. Who's the loudest? And then they turn around and they look at the crowd. And this is under 23. You're developing players. What are you doing? Why are you looking at me? It's ridiculous. Then if I am to generalize when we're speaking about the Western footballing world, Stephen, you know. But you will. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm about to. In tandem with your own experiences worldwide, um, I'm just looking 
I mean, through your CV, and it's incredible, really. Bar the year you had at Millwall, you haven't had any other time in the UK, be it of your own volition or others' decisions. Um, if I am to generalise, why do you think such, I mean, experiences that you've had aren't as appreciated in these Western coaching environments? It's very simple. Because I didn't do it in the Western country. You think that's good enough now in 2022? I didn't say it was good enough. But that's how it is. Oh, you in India? Oh, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Um, I mentioned no names, club or person. Coach in League One. Um, there was an opportunity for me to go as his assistant, which I thought, mm, okay, interesting. Uh, he says to me, um, "So, uh, where was your last job then, Stephen?" I said, uh, "In India." India. Do they play football in India? And I says to him, uh, the game had just finished, so we were in his office uh, after the game. I think they, they, his team had lost. And I said to him, how many people were at the game today? Oh, I said it was quite a good crowd today. We, were, we, were, we had about 4,000. I said, I had 15,000 watch me at training. And he went, what? Yeah. 15,000 at training. If we didn't shut the doors, it would have been 55,000 watching the training. And you're telling me, do they play football in India? Yeah. Have a nice day. It's, it's, it's because um, you haven't done it in a top 15, top 16 league in Europe. Um, it doesn't really count or they don't really give it the uh, 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 respect that it deserves. Um, it's, it's, um, I, and I honestly believe that. And, and I, I've, had, I've had many people tell me that. Um, I've also been the, the, the token interview. Um, I went to one interview. Um, the guy said to me, uh, I'll give you 40 minutes. Uh, two and a half hours later, I'm still there. I had gone through coach education, sports. They had no clue what sports science was. They absolutely no clue. Okay. Um, and this was a League One team in England, going back a few years, admittedly. Um, and, and he says, oh, you've given me a massive problem. Uh, what's that? He says, well, I, I didn't realize that you could be this, the manager of this team. But he said, now I realize you could be but you didn't give it to me. You gave it to somebody else because it had already been given. So, you know, that, that brings you on to the other topic of interviews. Are interviews properly done? They need to be properly done in England, but, but they're not. The job is done. The job is given in, in some cases, even before they start the interview process. But that's the way of the world. You can't, you can't, um, and, and, and I don't have a problem with that because if I need, um, if I need a sports science coach, I have five or six guys in a pool of sports science coaches that I have, and I'm going to go, well, Connor, you're first up, mate. Um, this is what the situation is, in or out. And you go to me, oh, I'm in. Um, I'm not going to interview. 
I know what Connor can give me. Why am I going to interview 15 other people when I know what I want? But you have to go through the process. And, and that means um, people must apply. Uh, you must interview them, even though you know they're not going to get the job. And you go through all that nonsense because we are uh, worried about being fair and proper, supposedly. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. This gives further prudence to the fact that, you know, a career is this profession, you know, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted at all. But in spite of all the politicking, managing up, managing down, I mean, when things do click, Stephen, and when you do have teams that are, you know, we could quote-unquote call them high-performance teams, what are some of the car- common characteristics that you've noticed throughout your whole career in coaching teams? Look, I think you need to be consistent with what you do. Um, start at how you mean to finish. Um, I believe, uh, as I said, in, in, in the holistic approach, I need everything to be as it should be. And first and foremost is, is the welfare of the player for me. He needs to be okay. Um, and he needs to be okay on and off the pitch. See, we see, most people see players as um, somebody who comes to training for two hours a day and then he goes home and then he comes back the next day and he gets a load of money to do that. But people don't think about the pressures they're under. They don't think about that if they're lucky, they've got a 10-year working life. They don't think about what that person, be it from UK or from Africa or from Asia, what that person has done to get to that stage. Um, and so I think the, um, a word that needs to be um, understood more from a coaching perspective is empathy to the players. See, I believe that if you sincerely care about your players. And I don't mean the 11, I mean the 25 and then the other kids that come up from the academy, you, you, you have an interest in them, that when you do give them the opportunity to play, they will play. And they will play for you, themselves, their families, and whatever, okay? Um, but you need to get into their head. And to get into their head, you need to spend time lots of time so um, i think that is very important um, uh, to understand um, and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether you speak the language or not people know people feel that you are genuine and you care and look i'm not a, a, a soft touch i don't take any crap from anybody um, but i'm fair I will give you the opportunity. It's up to you to take it. If you take it, brilliant. If you don't, well, then you've got to wait for your, for your chance to get it again, or you, you're going home. It's just, it's, it's, that's the nature of the business. But um, I, I think um, for me, this has been the most important thing, and I learned that very early on, um, that if I 
had a genuine interest in the and I do. I mean, you can't fake it. You can try and go out, okay, let's be mates. You're not going to be friends with all the players. I'm not friends with any of the players. But I'm ready to listen to them at any time, on or off the pitch. You want a pro, you got a problem. How can we help? Your wife's pregnant. Look, uh, my wife bought you a baby girl. Congratulations. Uh, I know you didn't sleep uh, last night because of the baby. Take the morning off. You know, stuff like that. Um, You've you got to be you got to be on top of that. And that's why I say it's, it's not, um, for me, it's not two hours a day. It's 24 hours, seven days a week. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, I'm trying, I waffle on a bit sometimes. But. <laughs> no, no, it's brilliant. And I think it's fantastic articulation of everything you've achieved today. And it perfectly links into my next question. Obviously, you're joining me today from Cyprus, waiting for the next opportunity on this carousel, so to speak. But what, in fact, is next for Stephen Constantine? Um, do you know what? Uh, I, I wish I knew. It's It's been a, a, a terrible three years with the COVID. And obviously, um, I, I had um, last season in Paphos, um, and I've I've not I've not been um, I've been, I've done a few FIFA courses uh, this past year, but um, that is not my my thing um, in terms of it's not my everyday work. So it's it's been difficult. Um, I I don't know to be honest. Um, on my LinkedIn thing, it says open to work, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean I've been a sporting director um, at Paphos, and then I was the manager. There's a few things that I'm working on, and uh, hopefully uh, one of them comes off because uh, it's doing my head in. <laughs> but I miss the game, and it's just I think another um, uh, another an, another lesson for me. I did. I, I worked 10, 10 years straight before this this last um, year, and I'm thinking, wow, um, I I can't believe how how much I miss it being on the pitch and the, the, the results and the travel and, you know, even, even the bad stuff um, is, is part of it. You've got to deal with um, uh, the bad stuff as well. And it's, it's not all good, but when it's good, it's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It could be, it could be anywhere, basically. And, um, like I said, I'm working on a few things and um, hopefully I will be able to say, Connor, guess where I am. <laughs> Um, North Korea. <laughs> and after after working straight for 10 years, just having this time now to ponder and reflect, if I had to push you, Stephen, what would be the biggest what would the what would be the biggest lesson you've learned in your career today? Um, <laughs> make sure you've got another job before you leave the last job. <laughs> Look, um, okay, here's a, a confession. So um, we win, we win, uh, we win, qualify, well, we qualified to the Asian Cup 2019. Um, it doesn't get much better than that at international level. The next level would be the World Cup, obviously. Uh, we win for the first time in 55 years. We absolutely destroyed Thailand. Then we uh, lost 2-0 to the UAE. And if you go back and watch the highlights of that game, we hit the crossbar three times. Uh, their goalkeeper made two unbelievable saves. We had 
another two opportunities where we should have scored. And um, Alberto Zaccheroni, uh, after the game, said to me, I don't know how we won that game. So, um, and then the third game was against Bahrain and we needed a draw to go to the last 16. Um, we lost to a 93rd minute penalty. Um, well, that was a killer, uh, to be honest. Uh, it still hurts. But um, I had decided that I had lived away from my family for six years. Uh, I was in Rwanda before that and I was in Greece before that. So then you add the four years in India. Um, every three months, I would come back for two weeks. Um, so, so maybe I saw my family in the, uh, in the four years for maybe two months, three months. Uh, so I had decided that after we finish the Asian Cup, whatever happens, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take a break uh, and actually um, reconnect with my wife and uh, my three girls. Um, and, um, okay, uh, in that process, then the COVID thing came. So um, I've been home now for three years. I, I Like I said, I worked last season in, in Cyprus, so I did get a little fix, and FIFA sent me on courses, um, obviously not during COVID, but um, I was in Ethiopia um, uh, most recently doing a course. So, um, yeah, look, um, I know, I know I should be uh, reflecting on what, what happened and how it happened. And uh, all I can think about is where's the next job? I, I just, I'm not, I'm not the type to sit home and do nothing. And I don't sit home. I sit home. I watch games. I make presentations. I go through some of my training plans. I watch two, three games a day um, uh, of games that, uh, that, that could get me a job. So I, I, I'm going to watch Rwanda against uh, uh, Mozambique. Why? Because I was in Rwanda. I was shortlisted for that recently. Um, so I need to keep up to date. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great um, being at home and uh, taking my daughter to school and bringing her back. And as boring as that is, it's not because we're in the car and there's a bit of banter going on and, um, and, and stuff like that. She has her exams now. So it's, it's, it's good, but um, it, it, it's, not, it's not enough for me. Been hugely inspiring for me to get these 40 minutes or so, Stephen, and listen to you account of your experiences today. And I'm sure many others listening will take a lot of inspiration from this chat as well. Um, for all those people listening, I definitely implore you to go buy Stephen's book from Delhi to the Den. But before we close, yeah. What is it? Another 60p? 60p <laughs> yeah. straight into your back pocket. Um, but before we close, um, as we do with every guest, what would be the one bit of advice you'd have to give any coaches listening that wish to follow you on your coaching journey? Be yourself. Don't, don't try and be somebody that you're not. You, you, I admire lots of coaches, but I don't try to be like them because I'm not. I can't be. Be yourself. Be honest with yourself. So you, when you finish the session, you go look in the mirror and say, well, I, I didn't handle that situation. Have a bit of empathy for your players because I think if the player feels that you 
you care or you've got his back, he's going to do that a little bit more in the pitch because he wants to impress you. Um, I mean, and I think the best feeling that you can have for me are, are giving players their, their international or their league debuts. And when a player calls you back 10 years later and says, Coach, how are you? I think that, that's why we do it. Well, that's why I do it. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on, Stephen. My pleasure, Connor. Thanks for inviting me.